Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I would just say in my mind, I'm sorry. I would have been there with you 24-7 if I had have known. And, and so you have this guilt and this what if, what if. Like I just literally would have given up anything to have to have saved her and if it meant giving up my life I would have to have kept her alive so I had this awful guilt for so long and then I had the anger and I'm like how could my mum leave me like how could she leave me we were so close and I was you know we were I was there for her so much how could she do that to me so then there was this anger and then I would feel guilt for even having the anger and and then that just absolute sadness that you know, the one person in my life who loved me unconditionally was gone. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story, what happened to them, how they got through. 
and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. friend, do you suffer from depression? Symptoms of depression are not always obvious. You might feel constantly tired. You might be low in energy, low in motivation. You might have constant feelings of anxiety or worry, feelings of sadness or feeling constantly guilty about everything. If this sounds like you, take a look at Destroy Depression. It's a treatment plan that works regardless of your symptoms or your age. It's a totally drug-free, straightforward plan that explains everything you need to know about eliminating depression step by step. Destroy Depression helps you dominate your depression. It helps you take back control over your symptoms and it comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee so you really have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Click the link in the show notes to find out more about how Destroy Depression can help you because you really do deserve to live your life free from the symptoms of depression. Hey, my beautiful friends, I hope you're so well. On the Heal blog this week, we are asking the question, why do I keep attracting narcissists? If you grew up with a narcissistic mother, the manipulation and the brainwashing are real. You find yourself in a parallel universe where nothing makes sense. You are conditioned to that narcissistic personality type. And so when you meet a potential partner who is also a narcissist, it is familiar to you and you are drawn in. And so the cycle continues you can find the link to this blog post in the show notes. This week, I am chatting with Rev and Rev's mum really struggled. Her mental health was deteriorating quickly. When Rev was 14, her mother had her first panic attack. Soon after, she was diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder. There were alter personalities and there were regular suicide attempts. Rev was just a kid. She took it all on and she was determined to save her mum. But it proved impossible. When Rev lost her mum, she decided her life would be different. She was going to live the life she dreamed for herself. But over time, Rev found herself also struggling just like her mum did. This is the story of the generational cycles of trauma in Rev's family and how she now sees it as her mission to break those cycles. Please join me now for Rev's story. Rev, welcome to the podcast. You have an important story to share. You have written a book called Days of My Life, which tells your story of trauma and how you were able to get out of survival mode and find a path to healing. You're passionate about opening up a dialogue around mental health so that it's okay for all of us to be more vulnerable and open about our mental health struggles. Your story centers around your relationship with your mum. 
Can you tell us a little bit about what you remember about your mum and your relationship from when you were a little girl? Thanks for having me on, Dawn. I really appreciate, you know, having the opportunity to speak about this in detail. So my story early on with my mum is it's it's a hard story to tell, I think, because, you know, it is so personal to me. But growing up, my mum was really strict. She was German and came to Australia when she was six. So when I was in my primary school year, she was very strict, very controlling. One of the earliest memories I have is that we had to clean the house religiously every Saturday morning, make sure it was spotless. And I remember feeling a lot of resentment towards her around that, you know, those early years, because it was, you know, we had to sort of sit in line and and do what we do as we were told. I grew up in a house where, you know, children were to be seen and not heard. So that's what it was like for me early on. She was really loving, like she, she, there were, she was a great mum as well. So it wasn't like I knew I was loved, but I also knew my place. So yeah, the early childhood years were sort of centered around that. And did you feel connected to your mum when you were little? I think I did in some ways and in some ways I didn't. She she was absent a lot. She worked full time and so we spent a lot of time in after school care, before school care and also school holiday programs. So I saw her as an absent mother. So I knew she loved me but I wouldn't say overly that there was that connection there when I was young. Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because you you do know that a parent loves you in that situation and yet you just don't spend a lot of time together. And when you are together, there's a lot of control in terms of you've got to do this and that and it can leave you feeling a bit lost as a child, I think, in that situation. So when you were 14, what happened with your mum? Okay, when I say parents, I'm talking about my stepdad and my mum because my dad and my mum divorced when I was two. So I was raised by my stepdad. So, and I was quite close with him. He he was like a father figure to me. He was very loving and I actually had a really close relationship with him mm. in those earlier years more so than mum because he was present and he, you know, took me to places and did things with me more so than my own mum. He was a father figure to me. So around 14 years of age, my mum had what I was told was an angina attack. I remember her collapsing on the couch at home and clutching at her chest and in a lot of pain and the ambulance came and took her away. So I wasn't really told a lot of information about what was happening because it was, you know, I was seen and not heard. So I wasn't informed. And and I, as an adult, looking back now, I realised that they were trying to protect me from what was happening. But at the time, like I, I knew something bad had happened, but I wasn't being given a lot of information. So yeah, she got taken away in an ambulance. And I was told it was an angina attack, but it was kind of the catalyst of everything that sort of changed in our lives because I learned later that it was actually a panic attack and that had brought on panic disorder for her. So it it was a big shift for her, I think, in her life. And after that incident, she changed a lot. She got into natural therapy and she, and it was called sort of the new age movement in that time that would have been or maybe 30 years ago now. So yeah, she got sort of more involved in that area. And I think it was a little bit of an awakening for her, 
I can only guess that's what sort of happened, but that's the way it seems to me now looking back as it completely changed who she was. She became less controlling, more loving. She wanted to work on our relationship. We stopped having to do the cleaning, like that absolute control of us just went. So yeah, it there were definitely positives that came out of that. And yeah, she did change for the better in some ways. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? To have that big of a change so quickly. Was it kind of confusing to have your mum change so much? It was, yeah, absolutely. And and it was really hard for me at the time because I had all of this stuff going on. But for me, I've had feelings of being invisible and not being seen. And that sort of carried on on from those times because it was like all of this stuff was happening in our family. But I wasn't I wasn't involved or being included in any anything that was going on. Yeah. So yeah, that's sort of where those feelings for me started to take place. Mm-hmm. So she did start getting into, you know, natural therapy. I do believe she also sort of sought mainstream psychology and all of that sort of stuff. Because over time she shared with me that she was a victim of sexual abuse by my grandfather. And up until that point, we'd had a really close relationship with my grandparents. So that was a complete shock to me and and completely out of the blue because I'd never, I'd never expected that or there was never any indication from her that anything had ever happened. So I think that like these revelations were, you know, huge and just sent shockwaves through our whole family. And during that time, she she stopped contact with my grandparents. So I can't sort of remember the exact age around when she ceased contact with them, but it would have been sort of mid-teens for me, I would imagine. And so we stopped seeing my Nana and Pop, who I called them, and we just sort of got on with our lives without them. So these two figures that had been such a huge part of my life were no longer in my life. And then there was these allegations and, you know, it was, as a kid, it was really hard to deal with. I mean, I, I definitely believed my mum. There was no doubt that she had been through some, you know, pretty hard things in her life, but it was really hard because that was not the person that I had known or grown up with. So it was really confusing for me. Yeah. At that time. Absolutely. It would be so confusing. And so essentially your mum's grown up with her father and there's been sexual abuse. And do you think that she's been fully aware of that the whole time or is it something that came out when she did the therapy? Yeah, it was repressed memories for her. So it came out, I think that the angina attack, which was the panic attack, I think was the beginning of, you know, her repressed memories coming back to her. And then with therapy, it became a lot more clearer to her. So yeah, it was pretty horrific for her. And I think, you know, even for me as a child going through that with her and seeing this happen and, you know, your whole world gets shattered, everything you thought was part of your life is no longer. So that was really confusing and and difficult to deal with. And on top of the fact that mum's mental health then declined further from that time through through the next few years as well as a result of the sexual abuse and And so was she continuing to have the panic attacks? I believe so. And I believe she, her mental health declined, yeah, further 
to the point where she became suicidal. And I think the more therapy she did, the more the memories came back to her. And mm. she, yeah, was living a pretty horrific life up, up to then. So, wow. yeah, it was a really difficult time. Wow. So that's a lot, isn't it? You've gone from a fairly normal childhood to just like someone throwing some sort of bomb into your life and your mum's just had all of these revelations and you're just sort of caught in the middle of it, probably not really fully understanding everything that's going on, probably not being told very much detail. You've lost contact with your grandparents who you were close to. And how do you think that affected your mental health at that time? I turned into a introvert, actually. I was quite an outgoing child, but sort of around year eight, I went into my shell and I think it was just a result of everything that was going on at home. I I just felt invisible and for me it was easier to just retreat into myself and you know, I wasn't sort of ever offered therapy or spoken to or even explained really as to what was going on. So yeah, it definitely changed me. I became anxious, you know, and had a lot of anxiety, but I didn't have anyone to talk to about. I didn't even know it was anxiety, to be honest. It's not until you're an adult looking back that you realize, you know, so yeah, it affected me, you know, completely changed who I was as a person and who I became later on yeah Yeah. and well I think years ago no one was really talking about anxiety or depression were they I mean these are words that we have now I mean back then we were just sort of getting through and you had to toughen up and yeah it's 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 a really kind of difficult situation and what happened with your mum's mental health then it sort of went downhill from there it did, yeah. It went further downhill. She got involved in alternative therapies that I'm not sure, you know, I don't have any judgment around what she decided to do. I think she did the best she could with what she knew, but I don't know that it, it helped her in some ways and maybe it did in some ways. It's so hard looking back, but at some point she she shared with me that she was suicidal and it was sort of towards my later teens. So as I was growing up and becoming more responsible I think she she felt she could share more with me so we did become closer during that time but she was diagnosed with multiple personality disorder which I think is now called dissociative identity disorder and that's when your personality splits when you've experienced severe trauma and I think as she got into more therapy the the this all became more apparent to her and she shared with me some horrific sexual abuse that she had been subjected to as a child so and that was she sort of shared with that yeah I'd say when I was around 20 I can't remember the exact age but around that time she had you know a she had some different alters which are are called personalities and one of the personalities that she had was a child called Millie and I remember one time going to the zoo with my mum and mum was actually Millie in that time. And so I was at the zoo with this, with my mum who was actually behaving like a child. It was so bizarre. It was really like 
yeah, just a memory that really stands out to me. Like she was literally riding the merry-go-round and was so excited and she was having fairy floss. So it was such a bizarre experience for me being the child. Well, I was supposed to have been the child. And then there's my mother who is behaving like a child so it was you know really confusing very confusing and I loved my mum so much so the this was all just so crazy to me you know it was really hard and and I just loved her so much and wanted so much for her and wanted to help her so much she also had another personality that was the suicidal personality and when that altar came out that often resulted in a suicide attempt and it was those it was those that altar that that we had to that we had to help her with and and she she when she became suicidal and in that that moment where she wanted to take her life she would call it crises and she would often have these crises and then she would eventually get to the point where she would realize what she's done and then she would call for help so this happened a lot you know during the last few years of her life sometimes we would have to drive out you know she would take a drug over to drive out to somewhere far away take a drug overdose and then we would have she would call for help when she realized what she'd done like perhaps another altar would come in and try and save her and take over and then they would ring for help and this was a bit of a pattern so this happened a lot over the last sort of five years of her life Oh my God, that's just so much, isn't it? How do you know how old your mum was when she was subject to the sexual abuse? I don't know a lot of that. I've got I got access to her journals later that had a lot of information. From my understanding, it was from a baby through to teens. Like it was long sustained and horrific yeah she talked about satanic ritual abuse and things like that I don't know a lot about all of that I just Mm. know that she was subjected to some pretty horrific stuff and and she was fighting for her life yeah wow I mean I I've actually just recently been chatting to somebody on the podcast about repressed memories and yeah I I guess you kind of think if it's gone for that long through to your teens that it wouldn't get repressed, you know? So you just you just realize holding all of that inside, the damage that that does and you can just see that playing out, can't you? It just completely rips a person apart. It must have been hard for you to even look at I mean you wouldn't have been seeing your grandfather anymore, but it must have been very hard for you to realize that you'd spent time with this same person yeah it was really hard and we we'd have been really close and stayed there and yeah had a really close relationship with him he was a really hands-on grandfather he would play board games with us and spend a lot of time so it was really hard looking back knowing that he ended up when I was around 17 he got cancer and my mum reconciled with him and the last uh, I can't really remember how long, maybe a year or two, she reconciled and he was a part of our life. But for me, it was never the same. And I I wasn't close with him after that. I I couldn't, I couldn't do that. And I think my mum wanted to have, 
get that relationship back because she knew she was losing him and I and I think she wanted that but for me that was really difficult I I couldn't do it so yeah so it was incredible yeah that's what she wanted isn't it I know I know and I think that's what's so hard is that this was her father and someone who she really loved so I think it's really difficult to separate the two I, ca- I can't even fathom to understand how mm. yeah well how there it is that her. there is that sort of Stockholm yes. syndrome element yes. to it isn't there where you yeah. do kind of get so attached and I mean it's impossible to even imagine all the levels of entanglement in you know a, a child whose father's doing this and oh my gosh the poor your poor poor mum I, I mean it's just it's just so much isn't it and so she's at this point where she's got this suicide alter who is fairly regularly having her how often was was she wanting to commit suicide I think as it escalated towards the end, it was probably monthly. She was in crisis mode more than she wasn't. That's the way I saw it from from a child's perspective. Yeah, so she she wasn't in a good way, yeah, up until that point. And I think that because of the way it always went we we were conditioned to believe that it was just always going to be that way that it would you know she would do the same things and that we would have the outcome where we would save her and I think that the last time that it happened like it was just such a shock because we didn't save her we didn't get to the point where we could save her and I and she successfully took her own life in September of 1999 and and that was just absolutely horrific to, to think that we'd spent so many years saving her. And then that time we handled it much the same way as we did every other attempt. And then to actually have lost her in that that time was just devastating. Yeah, it was hor- horrific. Absolutely. And I just want to acknowledge how how horrific that was, you know, for you and you would have spent, it sounds like, I'm not quite sure of the timelines, but you will have spent years doing the same thing. I mean, you must have been an absolute nervous wreck by this stage because you've spent years trying to save your own mother from, you know, taking her own life. And and then finally she does take her own life. I mean, I don't even know how anybody deals with that. Yeah, absolutely. Up up to that point, I I was a mess and I was torn I was so torn between just wanting to save her and and wanting to be there for her all the time but also starting to feel resentment for the burden that it was because it was a huge burden being the child it was huge and and it was constant and it was never ending and it was you know I loved her so much and I wanted to be there for her and I wanted to please her and I wanted to do everything I possibly could for her but it was so much pressure and so much on my shoulders that I I was a mess just trying to navigate this like trying to save her but trying to keep myself sane and not even knowing how to do any of it Mm. so yeah it was it was really difficult and then when she succeeded it broke me it absolutely yeah. broke me yeah. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I think that's the thing, you know, we hear these stories about people who are living with people who are struggling. And I think what we forget is that most of the time, none of us have any idea what we're doing. There's no, there's no rule book or no, it, this is, this is a really tough situation. You're just Very, making it up yeah. as you go along and you're trying yeah. to figure it out. Right. And so your mum finally passes away. I mean, what, what is it like after the, the event? How, how does your life go in the next 12 months? Yeah, I think that was the 12 months after she succeeded. That was the hardest for me. I was, I was like a shell. I felt so many emotions. I felt sadness. I felt um, guilt. I felt loss. And then there were times where I felt anger. I was angry with her because I just felt so abandoned. Like I felt like my heart had been ripped into, like it was, it was just the most horrific time. And I didn't really feel like I would be able to get through it. I, I definitely had really low moments. And it's understandable, I guess, now looking back to have all of these different emotions going through and, you know, I, w- I would have the guilt for not being there. Like I just said, I'm sorry. You know, I would just say in my mind, I'm sorry. I would have been there with you 24-7 if I had have known. And and so you have this guilt and this what if, what if. Like I just literally would have given up anything to have to have saved her and if it meant giving up my life I would have to have kept her alive so I had this awful guilt for so long and then I had the anger and I'm like how could my mum leave me like how could she leave me we were so close and I was you know we were I was there for her so much how could she do that to me so then there was this anger and then I would feel guilt for even having the anger and and then that just absolute sadness that you know, the one person in my life who loved me unconditionally was gone. Like I really felt alone and I knew that I was on my own in life. Yeah, I mm. knew I, I, that was it. I was, I, I I, had to be that for me now. And and that was, you know, really tough realisation. And, and it took a good 12 months for me to get to a point where I could function. And I decided, and I, and looking back now, I know that probably wasn't the best way to go. And and it affected my life greatly later. But at the time, that's all I knew. And I decided that I was going to run with the anger. And I got angry at her. And I said, I'm not going to be like you. I'm not going to spend my life with mental health issues like you have. I'm not going to wallow in whatever, you know, I called it pity at the time. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get on with my life. I don't need you. You know, it was a bit of an F you for leaving me and I got angry and I said, I'm going to make something of my life. And, and I had a choice. I could have decided to go down her road and, and, and not, you know, possibly end up taking my own life if I didn't do something. So I went with the anger and I made the choice and I said, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to get on with my life and I'm going to make something of myself. And I used that anger 
to fuel me and to get on with it. And I ran and I ran from everything and I didn't talk about it and I didn't talk to anyone. And I sort of went into survival mode and I went into this, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make something of myself and I'm not going to be like that. So I think it helped. It helped for a long time until it all caught up with me. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And and of course, I totally understand that. You you have to just, you have to use that anger to fuel you, don't you? Yes, you you've yeah. got to like say, well, I'm just going to go and do something else. And, and there is that understanding that we don't have when we're younger around what's actually going on for somebody yes. to a degree, you know, yes. because we, we have that anger and it's like, well, you've left me, you know, that it's so complex, isn't it? What it your is. mum went through and, and there's just not that understanding, I don't think. And so you got married and had kids and traveled, yeah. didn't yeah. you? I yeah. met an amazing man who's now my husband. And I think when I met him, like everything changed for me. He is the most patient and loving person. And he helped me sort of put myself back together again. And then we went traveling and we traveled the world and we had the most amazing experiences. And I think that meeting him made me feel really lucky. Like I I felt lucky in life. And so I didn't really look back. I just you know, we just moved forward with our lives and we ended up getting married and we created this most amazing life together. We built our own business and ended up having three amazing children. And then I had twins. You know, my first children were twins. So I felt really lucky and really grateful. And I think because of what had happened and what I had been through, I was super grateful for my life. And and I lived and I loved every moment and I made the most of everything because I knew how fragile life was and I knew how hard it could be. So in some ways it helped me appreciate the life that I was building for myself. And 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 I didn't take any of it for granted. I absolutely you know, look back on those times with so much, you know, love and and just had the best time. Mm. And yet, do you think that you were in a survival mode? Absolutely. Yes. And I think as the years went on, raising children is not easy. I think you have this picture perfect idea of what it's going to be like and, oh, yeah, let's have kids. And, And I hadn't dealt with any of my trauma so having kids and then having twins, you know, which was really hard. It was really tough. And without a mum, a mum's support, I think that was the first time that having my own children, it made me start looking back and I think think back on the way my life was. And there was things like I breastfed my twins for six weeks, but then you know, it was really difficult. So I gave that up. And then that made me start to think, I wonder if I was breastfed. And Mm. I wonder how I was like, and as they grew, I wondered how I was as a child, was I like them, you know, and I think those questions started to come up. I didn't really have any answers as to what I was like. And, and I think just the challenges of having twins, they trigger you and they, you know, and having kids, sorry, they trigger you and they make you look at yourself and you have to learn patience and you have to learn more about yourself in order to be a better mother. And so as they grew, the pressures of that were starting to take its toll on me and and I was starting to unravel a little bit. And then when, when my we ended up having twins and then four years later we had a daughter. So when my son, who is one of the twin, he was diagnosed with a rare form of epilepsy. 
our life became quite stressful because we also had a, a business that took up a lot of our time. So that was quite a stressful thing to have. And then to have a child with special needs as he lost his speech and hearing due to the epilepsy, it was a rare type that affected his language. To get a diagnosis took years because it wasn't, his seizures were happening in his sleep. It wasn't something that we could see or know. So we weren't aware that it was epilepsy and it took a lot of hearing tests and a lot of doctor's appointments and a lot of audiologist appointments and an ENT specialist to finally get some answers. So it was a long road to a diagnosis and it was very stressful. And I think that, you know, I was still in survival mode and in this really crazy, stressful environment. And then we did eventually get a diagnosis and he, he improved a lot. But as he improved, then my other twin ended up with migraines and her health deteriorated. She would end up vomiting and in episodes. And so it was just a crazy, stressful mm. environment. And then I had a six-month-old baby in amongst all of that. So, wow. so my my life didn't get easier after that. It got harder. And I think as all of that stress, my mental health declined. I also had some health issues. I ended up being diagnosed with celiac disease. I got glandular fever and got quite sick. And I think it was all of the stress and all of the challenges in my life led me led me to having that and my youngest then also ended up with health issues she ended up with anxiety and got alopecia so yeah it was extremely stressful times and then in 2018 I think everything just got to me and I ended up having panic attacks as well so very similar to what my mum had and interesting enough I later found a letter that she'd written and what I was told was the angina attack was actually the panic attacks happened when I was 14. My panic disorder happened when my twins were 14. So I, you know, it was a big real, like once I got through that, it was a big wake up call and a big realization to think that all of this running I was doing from my problems ended up. And wanting to not be like my mom, like that was a huge part of me. I did not want to be like her. It kind of went full circle and I ended up kind of mirroring her life in some ways, not in the suicidal way, but just in the way her mental health deteriorated and she was obviously running. And then when, she, when I was 14, that hit her in that way. And then it hit me in the same way. And I had a mental breakdown and I, I'm a real fighter and I don't give up. And and after that, I knew that it was time to to look at my own shit. And I knew it was time that I had to start healing, looking at my past, working out who I was, what what was going on with me, because it was affecting my kids and and they drove me to want to do better and wanting wanted to make something better of my life. Mm, my goodness, that's so much, isn't it? And it's it's crazy how it all just catches up with us, you know, like we can run for however many years. I and, know. And yet it it it's there and it's just waiting for us to stop and take a look at it, isn't it? And and yeah. work through it. And so what was the first step on that journey? I the first step I did was to get a psychologist. 
I found I'd seen a few over the years because I had had anxiety and depression prior to the mental breakdown, but I'd got myself through it and I'd seen psychologists on and off, but I hadn't really found anyone that had really resonated with, but I ended up finding a really good one that worked for me. And with her help, I started to unpack some more about my life and, and, and starting to learn more about myself. I realized I had been in survival mode and I had just, you know, felt that I could do anything like really without recognizing that my actions affected other people. And I think that was the first time I really sort of started to look at the way I reacted to things and the way I was parenting and the way I was being a friend to people. She taught me, I think, to slow down and to assess what I took on because I would just be the sort of person that would just take on anything, do everything, do it all, but then not realizing I wasn't coping doing it all. And I wasn't being good at anything because I'd taken on way too much. So she really helped me sort of unpack that life. And I also saw a naturopath and I started some, you know, natural healings. I started meditation and just sort of started to learn to ground myself and bring myself back into my body. And as time went on, I had a bit of a realization and it was a conversation with a friend. And she said to me, everything that you need in life is within you. And that was just like an awakening for me. I got goosebumps and I'm like, wow. And I think I had been looking externally for everything. Like I'd been looking externally for love and for validation, for self-worth, for self-esteem. And it was like this moment of like, like just pure, like love, like, oh my goodness, I can provide that to myself. Mm. I can look within and I, I've got everything that I need within me. And that was huge for me. So I started to go along this sort of spiritual path where, uh, you know, I've gotten into yoga and just started to look within and find, find myself. And I did a course called self-love school. And I think that was also the first time that I ever really looked at like, what does it mean to love ourselves? Like that was just such a foreign concept to me. So I did that and yeah, that was huge. That got me into a good routine. Like exercise has always been a huge part of my life. So with exercise and meditation and and looking within and having this knowing now that I have everything that I need within me. I, I have, yeah, I've got I've got it all here. So that has been a huge part of my healing. Yeah. And then also part of this healing has has forced me to to look back on my relationship with my mom and look back on how I processed my grief after that loss. And then in 2020, my stepdad passed away and I'd lost touch with him about 14 years prior and his mental health had declined and I didn't realize, and he ended up being a recluse. And when he passed away, I got access to his house as I was the next of kin. And in the cupboard in my bedroom, I found all of my mum's journals. So revisiting the house where like that was the last time I saw my mum alive. So 2020, it was like a gift in some ways. Like it, it was horrific having to see the house and the way he had deteriorated. And like there was a side of that that was very horrific, but there was also a side that I felt like it was a gift to me 
from my mum and a chance to reconnect with her again. So I spent I spent ISO. We went into ISO during COVID lockdowns, going through the journals and writing my story down. And I think it was all just so healing, like learning about her life and what she had suffered. It helped me reconnect with her and going to that house helped me reconnect with her and allowed me to connect with the love, the loving part of her and the part of her that loved me. And that kind of just opened me up again. And I feel like I reading her journals, I found that compassion for her again. And I found that love for her again. And I reconnected and the forgiveness just came and all of the anger just melted away. And now I just look back on her with so much love and so much like I'm so proud of her. Yeah, like just absolutely so proud of her because she fought for her life. Like she fought so hard. And she gave it everything and she gave it everything for us. And her life was hell. Her life was a living misery and she fought for me. You know, she did. And so now I do not look at back on her with any anger. I just honestly am so proud of her and I'm so grateful, grateful because she's given me so much strength and so much resilience and so much love. And I feel like I've got so much love for my children because of everything that she's given me and everything I've been through. And I feel like my role now is to break the cycle, break the cycle of the mental health trauma that's been in our family and that I was perpetuating until I sort of had this awakening. So my job now is to help my children and break that cycle and give them the love that she gave to me and and just sort of move forward with love and and yeah yeah. wow 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 that's just so incredible I mean to have 2020 when we're in isolation and you go back into your the last place that you've seen your mum alive and all of her journals are there and how incredible that she's written it all down that you get to have that beautiful connection and you get to be able to see all of her life. I mean, that's just, that's just such a gift, isn't it? It is. It was. Just having now that whole new level of understanding for who she was and what she went through. I mean, it's just so beautiful and, oh my gosh, it's so emotional. I'm like, it's, it, you know, it's just so incredible when you, actually have that realization as well that you had I, I had the same thing I have it all within me I don't need and and we do we spend our entire lives looking to the outside that's what we're trained to do Absolutely. look to the outside for value look to the outside for acceptance am I good enough am I doing the right thing it's such a relief when you realize you don't actually need to do any of that you know absolutely yes it's all here within me I know who I am and I don't need anybody else to judge me or to tell me who I am you know and that's just the most beautiful realization and you know I hope that we can get kids much younger understanding this so they don't have to go through 20 years of shit exactly (laughs) and that is my hope for my children I didn't sort of raise them up to that point with that but Mm. I'm definitely hoping that me knowing that now and living that being you know modeling that will help them and and my youngest who did have mental health issues is now doing really well just from changing the way I parent her and 
so I am doing it. I can see it and I can mm. see my relationship with the three of my children, you know, is just so much better for it. So so what yeah. have you what have you changed do you think in your parenting of them I it's funny because when you you don't even know when you have kids like that how you just think love is going to be enough like I loved my mm. kids and they know that and and I thought that's all I needed but I think I parented them much the way my mum parented me which was quite controlling and that was a bit of a shock to learn that later I didn't like the way I was parenting them. So I completely changed that. I now let them take ownership of their life and their decisions and I can guide them, but I don't control them. Yeah. Mm. So, so that's been probably the biggest realization and the biggest way that I've changed. And that I feel like that's just taken so much pressure off of my youngest and that's why she's thriving and I'm teaching her now to trust herself and to trust her gut and trust her intuition because I think that's one of the things I didn't what when I was looking externally for everything I didn't trust myself and so I doubted myself and I think one of the things that I want to instill in my three kids is believe in yourself and trust in yourself and follow your gut and follow your intuition and 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 you can trust that knowingness that you've got inside and I think if you do that then you make better decisions so that's definitely one of the ways I've changed and that's made a huge difference oh yeah and I love that so much it is learning to trust yourself and when you understand what you need and what's acceptable, it makes life so much easier, doesn't it? It does. And when you don't have yeah. that, it's just life is so confusing Absolutely. because you, you're constantly yeah. trying to figure it out, whereas you you actually have all of that inside, like you say. I love that so much. Rev, you've written your full story in your book, Days of My Life. I would encourage everyone to go out and buy a copy of the book and read the full story because there is so much more that will be revealed in the detail of the book. I'll put a link to the book in the show notes so that you can easily find it. What made you want to share your story? I think that when I first started to write, I wrote it for me. I didn't write it to publish. I wrote it to heal and to learn more about myself and also because I have since I had children, like I had so many questions about how I was raised, about my past. So I really wanted to put it on paper so that my kids didn't have any questions. Like they would know through this book, the way I raised them and how much I loved them. It's all on paper for them. So that was my reasoning. And it wasn't until I finished writing it and had this awakening and realizing more about myself that I decided I wanted to publish and I wanted to share because... I think that when I had my mental health breakdown, I did not tell anybody. I kept it to myself and I pretended to my community that I was fine. And I think so many of us do that. We we just like that's just what's acceptable in society. We just have to, you know, put on a put on a smile, put on a brave face, go out to the world. And inside a lot of us are dying. Like we are just want we we just are struggling. We are, you know, we're suffering in silence. So I thought, I don't know how to change the world. You know, I don't know how to change that in society, but I have a story to tell. And this is my way of saying that it is okay to to have mental health issues and it is okay to not be okay. And if I can share my story and if I can get it out there, 
it might make it okay for others to share theirs and it might make it okay for others to speak out when they're suffering or when they're not doing well and and then maybe they might seek help if they know that they will be held when they're not doing well so this is just my way of yeah doing my little bit and and putting it out there and being real being honest and saying you know what I'm not okay sometimes I'm not perfect but you know I'm here for you if if you need that and it's okay and I think that's really the message that I want to spread yeah it's such a beautiful message and it really is being a little piece in the puzzle for good in the world isn't it you know because like you say there are so many people walking around holding it all inside and they're doing that because they think it's not acceptable to let it out to actually express it and and it is okay to do that and yeah and so it's really important to read these stories where can people connect with you i'm mainly on instagram i have an instagram account called days of my life by rev and then the link to purchase my book is through my instagram account so find me on there and i'm just trying to share some love and inspiration and hope to people and know that whatever people are going through, there is always a way through and that there is a light on the other side. And I just really want people to know that. Yeah. Oh, Rev, thank you so much for sharing your story today. It's such an incredibly sad, sad story of your mum and everything that that happened to her. But the beautiful parties, and I'm sure she's watching, looking down on you and her grandchildren and just understanding that you are now breaking that generational pattern you're changing things for future generations and that's I believe the biggest thing that we can do when we're here on earth thank you so much for sharing that with us today and thank you so much for having me and allowing me to be so raw and open and yeah I really appreciate it thank you so much Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.